Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Beaver County Kickoff here on the Beaver County Times Sports Talk Network. I am your host and your sports writer for the Beaver County Times, Noah Hiles. And joining me, as always on the show, are... Parthipadhyay, sports writer slash reporter. And Josh Carney, education and sports reporter here at the Beaver County Times. And guys, it's hard to believe it, but we are halfway through the WPIAL football season. We are entering week five, the halfway point. When this comes out on Wednesday, that's the exact halfway point for the regular season. We made it all the way through already. A lot of crazy stuff going on, but at the same time, it feels like it was just yesterday where parts moving into my apartment and I'm dragging him away from building furniture <laughs> camp tours with me and Josh so he could see how some offenses work, you know, which new quarterbacks are being put into systems but we've made it this far. This is the mid-season show. Rather than having a player on this week and doing a player interview, we're doing mid-season awards. But before we get to that, we have to recap week four. Another very eventful week in the WPIAL. Some upsets, some just huge games in general. And the picture's starting to look a little clearer on, on where this season's going, on who are the teams to really look out for. Parth, we'll start with you. What's your biggest takeaway from week four? Yeah, I don't want this to come off as like a slight or disrespect in any kind of way, but I took a trip to Southside last Thursday, and it's about it's almost in Ohio, like I told you guys. Crazy drive. Um, but you look around there, and I get it. They're a 2A team, but they're small, man. Like, for example, Olsh is 1A. I went to their practice last week and been to their practice before. Talked to Dan Bradley, their head coach. Um, and, and they've got – I feel like they've got more size than, than Southside, you know? being one classification down, but the Rams punch above their weight. And we saw that on Friday, they played Avonworth right to the wire. Avonworth is having a pretty good season. Um, if not for a couple, you know, key mistakes, Southside could have pulled that upset on the road. And I think that speaks a lot to the the program that uh, Luke travel pieces built there. You know, I grew up playing Southside and the thing that always stuck out to me, and that's what our coaches would always say is, you know, you might look over on that sideline. They might have a lot less kids than we do but every one of them is going to try to punch you in the mouth from the first play to the last play. And I, I, I don't know if that mentality necessarily was around for some periods of time since I've been playing. I know it definitely came back when, when Luke took that team to the Whitfield championship a couple of years ago, and it looks like they definitely have that this year, sometime to their detriment as a couple of key penalties uh, <laughs> prevented them from beating yeah. Avonworth. They're, they're already game. Right. You know what? But if I'm a head coach, that's the mentality. You know, those penalties, while frustrating and unacceptable to a certain extent, that's kind of something you have to live with. Because if you are the few and the proud, like Southside, you got to let your boys play with the chip on their shoulder. It's got to be contained, obviously. You can't can't make those mistakes, but you got to let them walk that line and kind of learn on their own. Because if you don't play that aggressive – punch you in the mouth type football and have that chip on your shoulder where you're willing to get down and dirty. You're not going to get anywhere when you only have 25, 26 kids on your roster. No, I get it. But you know, they had a chance to make a statement you know, on Friday. And I feel like the the, the penalties and the mental errors is what cost them. Right. I would argue that above the penalties and the immense errors, what cost them was an untimely fumble. And that doesn't have anything to do with, you know, penalties. They were still in a position to win. And the kid who did fumble, 
is a Stunned. big reason why they're three and two to begin with. So well, you can't really put a lot of blame on him. Parker, no. Yeah. Yeah. So just, just one thing I wanted to add though, like, like Noah said, you, you can't teach that mentality as a coach. Mm -hmm. You'd rather have that and deal with it and exactly. teach discipline. Than you don't try and make your team aggressive. When you're, when you're a team like central Valley and you have talent and all you're, yeah. and you're more talented than every team you line up against mm -hmm. pretty much for the whole year, you don't necessarily need it. It's good to have, but you can really hone that in when you're a team like Southside, where Every lineman that you line up against is probably bigger than the guy that you have. You know, the, the skill guys are faster on other teams. The quarterbacks can throw further. You got to have something that sets you apart. And that, that, that old school Rams grit, man, that's, that's good to see from this team. Just, you know, but as they go into conference play, it's got to be honed in. It's got to be channeled correctly because exactly. the laundry does hurt. Josh, what's <laughs> your big takeaway? Speaking of uh, grit and tenacity, uh, I think Beaver's defense is absolutely legitimate. Uh, second straight week, they've had a pick six uh, on defense. This week, it was Dylan Porto. Last week, it was Josh King. Um, th this is just a, a really good defense under Court Rouse. And you talk about those those old school type players, that that uh, physicality. On the same day that they honored the 81 Whippeal Championship team, it, it felt like Beaver turned the clock back. And they punched Seaton LaSalle in the mouth legally. Play after play after play, whereas Seton LaSalle didn't really know how to handle it and had 11 uh, unsportsmanlike or uh, personal foul penalties on the day. It, uh, but Beaver, I think their defense is legitimate, and they, they have a big test coming up. I think the best thing that our staff has as far as content is our photojournalists. I think our photographers are fantastic. And Absolutely. the photos of Jake Hilton and his Ooh. helmet with all of the chip paint That's on all you need one to see. entire side. That is... Whippeal Beaver County football right there in one picture. That is a kid who could have played in the sixties, seventies and eighties and fit yeah. right in with his style of play. Just that. Cause I, I haven't seen that in years, no. you know, with the, the chip paint on a helmet. I mean, that used to happen a little bit when I played, but not, even then, like you wouldn't really see that. That's something you see like in throwback photos of like Dorset and stuff like that. And oh, just yeah. to see how physical that guy is, you know, that that's really cool. Um, my biggest takeaway, and I, I, I said something pre-show. I'm actually going to pivot here. Ooh. I'm declaring this year the year of the backup quarterback. No starting quarterback is safe in the Beaver Valley. I'm, I'm, I'm going through the season here. So far, here are the teams that have had to rely on someone else besides their starter who, for all intents and purposes, all these starting quarterbacks are good, and they had to go towards someone else. Olsh in week one had to – replace Nehemiah who went down against Riverside in a game that went into overtime. New Brighton this past week had to replace the leading passer in Beaver County and Gabe Haddix. Blackhawk this past week started a sophomore for Carson Davidson who's been injured. He was also injured a little bit against North Catholic and he almost led them uh, to a win down the stretch against that Alex did, the backup for Blackhawk. Central Valley Matt Merritt went down against Aliquippa. Antoine Johnson has come in and done a great job. Came in this past game in the second quarter through four passes. All of them went for touchdowns. And then last but certainly not least, West Allegheny. Gavin Miller, we don't know why, but looks like he did not play. According to the stat sheet, he didn't throw a pass, didn't run the football. We're just going to assume that he did not play last week. So looking through that, you know, and, and to our knowledge, none of these have been COVID related. Again, we don't know what happened with Miller, but the other ones we know these were either in-game injuries or they came into the game listed out for, for medical reasons. So it just shows that, you know, for this year, there's I guess there's something in the water where your quarterback's not safe. And if you don't have a good answer, oh, I forgot the main one, 
Rochester. Yeah. Uh, is is if you don't have yep. a good answer behind the the guy, you're in trouble. Because you look at how some teams have handled this. Like Central Valley, they're fortunately enough, or they're fortunate enough to have one of the best players in the state at running back. So they've been able to lean on Landon. But Antoine Johnson has grown comfortable. You look at what uh, Blackhawks backup is doing. Critchard, he's he's getting comfortable week by week. He's doing a little bit more. They had him throwing on you know third and short when they could have been running the ball. Uh, but then you look at what Rochester's been doing, where they've been rather than going with the true backup, they're going with the best athlete possible, putting Ajale in there, putting Sal Lore in there. And that's worked sometimes that hurt them in other ways. So it's a very interesting thing to see how each team is handling their starting quarterback going down by my count. That's that's six schools in our coverage area. And all of them are were projected playoff teams this year. So there's probably been more teams that aren't as quote unquote good, but six really good teams that had to replace really good players at quarterback. And we're only halfway through. We'll see how that trend continues as we move forward. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, no interview. Like I said, we're going to get into our mid-season awards here for the first four or five, depending what you count week zero as, uh, weeks of the Whippeal season. We'll be right back. Come on. Half the season has come and gone. We've had some great storylines. Uh, you're going to be listening to this on Wednesday. I, I wrote a long, pretty much a reflection on the first half of the season. Ten, uh, ten storylines from the first half, and you can see links to some of our better stories that we've written over that period of time. They include some work that Parth did, some work that Josh did, some stuff, stuff from our freelancers. It's really good. You should go check it out. But rather than just recapping all those storylines here, what I want to do, guys, is give out our midseason awards on this podcast. You can go online right now on timesonline.com and vote out for the breakout performance, something that Josh wrote about, and there's a poll there to vote for. But on top of that, we have our own things that we decided upon. There are four awards that we're going to give out, and they might be different. They might be the same. Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Coach of the Year, and Newcomer of the Year. And we're going to fly through these right now. We're going to start off with the most obvious one, Offensive Player of the Year. And surprisingly, this isn't unanimous. We'll get to the guy who's the contrarian second here. But Parth and I both have Landon Alexander. Uh, Parth, what do you like about this pick? Man, what's not to like, right? Like, we've talked about Landon so many times week after week on this podcast. He appears on our, you know, performances of the week every single week. I'm surprised this guy doesn't have more offers, Noah. And you, and you pointed it out a couple yeah. weeks ago, but he's ran it for 200 yards. How many times now? Uh, this guy's a D1 it. tailback. Yeah, no, he's done it three three of the five games of the year. Uh, the last four games, he's gone over 140. Uh, my, my favorite Landon stat here, and I've been looking throughout the numbers, Western Beaver, a team that is 4-1, a team that would be a decent-seeded team in the playoffs in, in 2A. They, as a team, have scored 16 touchdowns. They, as a team. <laughs> Landon Alexander by himself has scored 14 touchdowns. That's absurd. Ooh, boy. He's, That's second, absurd. he's second overall in total scoring in the Whippeal without having kicked an extra point. That is wow. just impressive. I That's mean, because like the kid, normally the kids who will lead the Whippeal are a really good running back who scores a lot of touchdowns, but he's also the kicker. Landon's doing it all by himself and 12, 12 on the ground, one punt return, one through the air. I'm sure a defensive score is going to be coming. And you look at the teams ahead on that schedule for Central Valley. You have Ambridge, you have Hopewell, <laughs> you have Quaker Valley. 
a lot more scores coming. So yeah, he's he's a he's a no brainer. He leads the Whippy on rushing that's, right now. That's, that's no disrespect to those three schools. No I shade. Mean, it's Central Valley and Landon. Yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's just. It's just how it is. I mean, that's, yeah. that's 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 how it is. That's football. I, I think I wrote in the story that's out today. Um, he is a little. He's almost halfway to Whitehead's single yes. single single season record. I think he's like forty eight percent of the way there, or something like that. That's through, yeah, that's roughly through five games. So he's, he's going to smash that when it's all said and done with with playoffs and everything. Right. He can stay healthy. Right. Yeah. So Josh, who was your offensive player of the year if it wasn't Landon Alexander? Uh, it's a unit and I went with the, the moon tigers offensive line. Uh, you know, if you've been following along, I do an in the trenches piece every week, give the big guys some love. This is in my opinion, the best offensive line in the whip Uh, they have really helped establish an identity for moon at this point. They are downhill, punch you in the mouth. They're going to grind out wins. Um, you know, Jake Bumgarner at center, four-year starter, Trent, uh, Trent Fraley at right guard, three-year starter, um, Aiden Mazruke, he's a three-year starter. They just have so much experience up front, so much size, strength, and just tenacity. Uh, I don't know where Moon would be without those guys up front. And uh, obviously, they're, they're sitting number one in 5A at the moment. So I'm giving the offensive line a lot of love here. Yeah, they're they're a fun team to watch. They've got some great games in the next two weeks. That, You've uh, seen them in person, too. Like yeah. you, you know what, mm-hmm. what we're talking about here. Yep. So. So we'll move on to Defensive Player of the Year now. We'll stick with you, Josh. You can go first, then Parth can follow follow you. Uh, Who do you got? I had a really tough time splitting this one, so I did co-Defensive Player of the Year's. Uh, I went with Thad Gray uh, from from Western Beaver, and then I also went with a guy we mentioned in the first part of the show, Jake Hilton from Beaver. Uh, Those two both set the tone defensively for their respective teams. They're just physical uh, you know, in the box, middle linebackers that uh, will do some chirping as well and kind of get under the skin of opposing teams. But they're tackling machines. Uh, both are well over 40 at this point, uh, and, and both defenses are, are very stout. So I went with those two there. And not only are those guys who can make a lot of tackles, but they can take the ball away from people. Oh, yeah. Uh, through interceptions, through fumbles, whatever. They can they can give their team an extra possession through their efforts. Parth, who's your pick? I'm going to give the Warriors some love again. Uh Sean Fitzsimmons, that defensive tackle. The guy's got seven sacks through what it's been five games. That's in, that's that's insane. He's got fifteen plus tackles. He's been he's been a wrecking you know he's been a wrecking ball. He's been a machine. Four or seventeen tackles for loss. I'm sorry, seventeen yeah, tackles. Yeah, for seventeen. Loss. Yeah, and then right. forty four total tackles. And what's what's insane about it is. It's not like he's the only one on that defense post. Like Jackson Tanya has five sacks. Brett Fitzsimmons yeah. has like three. They have Jack Bible, who's a borderline division one recruited middle linebacker. Mm-hmm. So for him to have these numbers on a defense loaded with other guys who also have crazy numbers, it's just it's just impressive. You know, and this is a guy again, like like kind of with what you see with Landon, where he's he's piling these numbers up in, in three quarters of play. There aren't I many think, games where you're seeing Central Valley stars play in the final yeah. 12 minutes. I, I think the cool thing too, Noah, is that coming into the year, people knew he was the guy you had to stop on Central mm-hmm. Valley's defense. Uh, he Still told me a couple. He told me a couple weeks ago he's faced double teams every single snap, and this guy's yeah. still putting up monster numbers. So uh, I'm excited to see what he can do at the next level with Pitt. Absolutely. Yeah, when Josh wrote that feature on him, you know, we knew his stock was rising, but. He it's he's definitely shown it. You know, he's more than a three-star recruit, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so I'm going to stay on the same team for my uh, defensive player of the year. I'm going to go with the guy a couple levels behind him. Jack Bible was tempting, but I'm going to take 
Javen Thompson as my Ooh, defensive like player that. of the year. Six interceptions like through that. five games. And, you know, what makes Central Valley so dangerous is if they don't want you to have the football, you don't get to have the football with Landon. <laughs> uh, and, and that's and, and it's not just Landon with the way they run Brett Fitzsimmons, the way they can run Antoine or Matt, whoever's at quarterback. They can, they can dink and dunk, too, with their good receivers. But their defense, on top of having guys who will swarm you, they can take the football away from you like that within three plays and six interceptions in five games. I don't care who your defensive line is. You still got to catch the ball. You still got to be in right position. And Thompson's a guy, they can use him deep and he can be a center fielder. I've seen him play press coverage as well. And his size is good enough where they can put him in the box and be physical. He's someone who I think has stepped up more than anyone else this year in central Valley. He was a guy that caught our attention, Josh, when we were at camp this, uh, this summer watching them. Yeah. So he he's my first half defensive player of the year, Javen Thompson, a very impressive young man. I would not be surprised with his size and uh, skills and numbers for the division one offers to start rolling in for him yep. very soon. Uh, that's a position also defensive back at central Valley. They've had a couple guys yeah. <laughs> throughout the year. Safe to say. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So coach of the year, I'll start off with this one. Um, there were a lot of good candidates and we all have different answers here. And I think we all have some very good, um, information and takes to back it up. I'll start off with mine. It's Ron Busby from Western Beaver. Western Beaver is a team that replaced some talent. They had one of their best players uh, transfer to a school in Ohio on top of losing guys like Takari Bradford, who went off to college. Uh, but they, they, and they had a tough loss in week zero. When we saw Western Beaver lose to New Brighton in overtime, our interpretation was, okay, well, New Brighton's going to be good and Western Beaver is going to be average. And, you know, quite frankly, it's been the other way around. New Brighton's a team that's going to flirt with 500, it looks like, whereas Western Beaver yeah. is probably the biggest dark horse in the Whitfield right now, or at least in Whitfield 2A. With a record of 4-1, and one, they have a win over a 4A program that's a local rival in Beaver. They don't really get the love that they deserve, I don't think, because A, the top five in 2A is still all undefeated, and B, <laughs> they play on Saturdays. Where all you know, it's 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 Friday night coverage here for all these media outlets. But we've been doing, I think, a good job of sending Josh out there and and, and getting them covered because they're going to be a team. I think where if you look at their schedule in a couple of weeks, they play Stowe Rocks. The winner of that game wins the Three Rivers Conference, and I'm not so sure that it's going to be a cakewalk for the Vikings in that one. I think the Golden Beavers can give them a run for their money, and that all comes back to Coach Busby. First-year guy, it's four coaches in four years for Western Beaver. It looks like he's going to be the one to stay there and give that program some stability. They clearly have the athletes. If they have the stability up front, I think that can be a really good program for years to come. Yeah, uh, I, I, whoever I, wants to take it. I no, you're, really you're, good, you're good. You're good. <laughs> going. I, I took I took Ryan Lynn uh, at Moon. I, I'm sticking with Moon. I feel like I'm like Moon's number one fan at this point. Uh, but <laughs> I mean, he's just done a phenomenal job. They were overlooked coming into the year, I think, by all of us. Noah and I went to their their camp practice, and we both liked what we saw. Thought that they could be an, a very interesting team, and uh, sure enough, they are undefeated. They have some big wins. Uh, they really put themselves on the map in week Z on the map in week zero with the win over uh, Seneca Valley. They look like the team to beat in five way five A now and in the playoffs. Uh, I would not be surprised that they're at Heinz Field and, and and they continue to just punch people in the mouth. And he's just done an awesome job and has them in line to do something that that program hasn't done in twenty three years. Josh, you said your Moon's number one fan. I feel like I got the Carolina blue and white. 
pom-poms on for the Central Valley Warriors. And it's fitting because, uh, you know, Tar Heel. But they, I mean, it's hard not to give this one to Mark Lyons, right? Is, is that fair, guys? It's hard not to give it to him. You know, um, they had to replace the 3A PIAA Player of the Year in Amir Dudley. They do that with Matt Merritt. Matt Merritt goes down. They sub in Antoine Johnson. Not to mention, they had to sub in two more D1 guys in defensive back Stephon Hall. More than two. They had more than those two guys. Two more key yeah, guys. I'm yeah, sorry. Two, I missed yeah. two, two more key guys. Mm-hmm. Defensive back Stephon Hall now at Pitt. Wide receiver Miles Walker now at Akron. And they just plug and play. It doesn't matter who is in there. And that's something that Mark Lyons told me after the game against Knock because I asked him, I'm like, you know, Matt Merritt's your starting guy. This is week zero. I understand you're up 50-something to nothing, but why not keep going with Matt? You know, he's it's his first game playing at quarterback, first game starting at quarterback, rather. Um, why not let him get acquainted to that offense? And he says, this is not a – this is not – we don't have players. We've got position groups. And that's what he said to me verbatim. And that's what it looks like there at Central Valley. They, they just keep on rolling. Yep. All right, they so – they really are. And I mean, that like you could give it to Lions. He's a great coach. Uh, I think what's most impressive with Lions isn't, or I mean, it is impressive how they can continue to reload, but it's finding a way to keep everyone happy too. Like yeah. you look at all those talented kids and, you know, everyone on that team is trying to get a, a scholarship, be it from a D2, a D, uh, an FCS or an FBS, uh, whoever, like they, they all, a lot of those kids want to play at the next level. And they need their touches to do that and to be able to manage everyone and get them to buy in to Central Valley football. That's that's Huge. always impressed me with what he can do. And we'll wrap up this segment by giving out our uh, Newcomer of the Year awards here. Um, I will start us off again here with, with my pick, and it is a freshman from West Allegheny, Brock Cornell. He's a guy that we haven't really talked about hardly at all this year. But looking at the numbers, he's been – Everyone talks about Spencer and Tracy and all these guys who can take the football away and score. Brock Cornell has been one of their anchors. 44 tackles through four games, three tackles for loss and an interception. If he's doing this now as a freshman, I'm excited to see what he can do later on in his career. Josh, who do you got? Well, that was a great find by you, but I'm going to go with a guy I mentioned last week, uh, Carter Slowinski from Freedom. Uh, continues to put up impressive numbers. He sits second in the Beaver Valley in passing yards just behind New Brighton's Gabe Haddix. He has just under 820 yards passing on the year, eight touchdowns. You know, the stats, he gets knocked in the rushing yards because sacks are, are you know, counted as rushing stats. Uh, but he has a 100-yard game on the year, but just has 53 rushing yards on the season. He's added a dimension to that, that Bulldog offense, and uh, I think he's one of the better quarterbacks in the area. Unfortunately, this is the only year for him because he is a senior. And Parth? Yeah, I guess you guys can call my pick a, a safer pick or, or whatever you want to call it. I'm going with Noden Tracy, running back from West A. Um, this is a junior who already has offers from William Mary, um, Division II schools, uh, Bluefield State in West Virginia. And he's got interest from Pitt as well and other, other big-time programs. This guy, he has over 600 yards, all-purpose yards in the season, six total touchdowns. He's, he's, been, he's been balling. He's been balling. All right, so those are our midseason awards. Tweet at us. Let us know how we did. If we forgot anyone, if we need to give more praise to someone or lay off on the praise for someone, let us know. Tweet at us. Let us know how we're doing. We're going to take a quick break one more time, and then we went. No. We're going to take a quick break one more time, and when we get back, it is time for our picks for Week Five of the Whippeal Football Season. When we return. Oh, 
All right, boys, it's that time. Once again, it's pick time. Now, I'm going to address the elephant in the room, okay? I've fallen in the standings. <laughs> 50 and 12. It's not good. Only the house is behind me in the overall standings. We got Josh in first place at 53 and 9. That's we right. We got Parth, Bill, and Joe at 51 and 11. I'm 50 and 12. As any good leader does, as any good man of character does, I'm going to blame this on someone else. So I'm going to blame this <laughs> of course. on our boss, Jeff Kirick. Okay? A couple of weeks ago, Jeff and I had a talk. He said, you're working really hard. It's been tough. I, I, I don't want you to burn out. So I stopped working super hard. Are you telling us and you slacked on your, your, your film study? Is that, is yes, that what happened? This is why you've seen the dip in my picks is because – Look what happened. I mean, I, I, fair, I fair enough. What what does that say about me then? Are, are you insinuating I'm doing more work? I, I was gonna say, are you? What, what, what do we? Yes, I guess that equates to other folks on this team doing doing a little bit more. I'm not saying anyone's working harder than anyone here. I'm just saying I was told to do less work. You know, just to to, to chill a little bit. Like I, Noah, you're gonna work yourself into a grave. You're the greatest hire we've ever had. You know, <laughs> other people's words, not mine. Um. So I, I took my foot off the gas, and this is what happens. But uh, you no, know, keep that same energy, Noah. You know, I told you that. Hey, I told you that listen, in the early weeks. Keep that same energy. This is an original speech that I just thought of. But over the next four weeks, you will never see a player play as hard oh. as I am about to play. I wish you I could see. Our see I wish I could. You will never see, see a leader right push now. his team or, or, or listeners. I harder see than I will push eyes. his team. You will never see a team play harder. How than dare you! Bye. How dare you, <laughs> sir? <laughs> All right, it's time for picks. Um, if but, nobody got that, that was famous Tim Tebow speech after yeah. I lost the old Miss. <laughs> yeah. We've got, I think, 14 games on the slate this week. Uh, 10 on uh, Friday night, two or 12 on Friday night, 2 on Saturday, and everyone's in conference play now. So this yep. is where things get really interesting. We'll have everyone out there covering the games as we usually do, and we're just going to go right down uh, the line here. The nice thing about this week's pick, pick sheet is it's pretty much all unanimous. I am the only one who picked different than everyone else, and it was for one game. We'll get into that here soon. We'll go right down the line. Beaver and Aliquippa is our first game. We all like the Quips. Guys, this is an interesting matchup, though. It's uh, Parkway Conference football. Anything could happen, really. But despite Beaver getting off to a really strong start, it just looks like Aliquippa's got a little bit more. Yeah, I know that I praised Beaver's defense in the last segment. Uh, but you know what? Aliquippa's offense is a whole nother beast. Beaver has to go into the pit this week. Uh, I think it's going to be a very, very tough test. Yeah, I'll be at this one. My first game at the pit, and I'm I'm, I'm stoked. No, I've been telling you this all week. I'm I'm so hyped. Yeah, no, I mean, he he literally asked me like the first week of the season. Yes. He's like, "Am I going to get to cover a game at Aliquippa?" I'd be like, "I would I would imagine so." Yeah, like I'm not going to go there every week. <laughs> Historic <laughs> venue, man. I'm excited. Yeah, it's, it's, I know. It's the camera in your stadium. When when, when oh, Parth came up to Beaver County to Pitts, or he flew into Pittsburgh mm -hmm. to see the city when I was trying to sell him on working here, the first place I took him was to the pit. Because I said, you know, yeah. this might not look like much, but this is it's a holy ground in Western yeah, Pennsylvania. It, it he told me, he's like, venue. you know, the field we're on right now, Darrell Rebus played on this field. Yeah. And I thought Darrell that was Darrell Rebus, amazing. Ty Law. Mike Dicka, Ty Law. I mean, the list obviously goes on and on. Yeah. But, yeah. So, yeah. anyway. Uh, our all, generation all, recognizes yeah. Rebus. We all got the yeah. quips. We move on to our next game, West Allegheny at Bethel Park. We all have the Indians here. I think this is going to be a little closer than what uh, 
some of us expect. West yeah. Al or Bethel Park's always just a scrappy team, and just depending on if Gavin Miller is going to play or not, we don't know what to expect from West Allegheny's offense. Hopefully, they don't get shut out again because we all have the Indians six to nothing. We move on to our third game now, and this is the only game where we have a difference in picks here. It's five to one in favor of Blackhawk over Chartier's Valley. I was the only one who took Chartier's Valley, rolled with the Colts. Guys, what made you take Blackhawk over Char Valley? I, I went with Blackhawk just assuming that uh, Carson Davidson comes back this week. Obviously, if that doesn't happen, uh, my pick looks a little silly because Chartiers Valley is a very good football team. Uh, but I'm just basing that pick on health. And when healthy, Blackhawk is a very tough team to beat. But uh, as we've seen and as you mentioned uh, to open the show, uh, it is the year of the quarterback injury. And Blackhawk is going through that at the moment. So we shall see this week. I'm gonna pick. Yeah, I'm gonna piggyback off Josh there. I think my pick is definitely has an asterisk on it, depending on health of Carson Davidson at quarterback. But they beat Ambridge last week. I understand Ambridge isn't the best team out there, but they snapped that three-game losing streak, and I think they got their mojo back, and they're gonna they're gonna show that against Chartiers Valley, I believe. It's just tough when you play a team like Chartiers Valley because I mean, yeah, like. It was a nice win over Ambridge, and they looked good in the second half. With Lou Overback, you know. But nice. with Lou Overback, that, that was nice. Um, but, I mean, Dietrich is banged up. They've got other key players, Hayden Davis being one of them, uh, who, who's who's really banged up. And we don't know with Davidson. If he plays, that's great. But, you know, yeah. is he? it's tough. It, even if he does play, that's a tough first game back, going up against the best corner in the state of Pennsylvania and Lamont yeah. Payne. And, and that's that's yeah. where I'm really interested to see how this one goes. That's why I took Chartier's Valley. I think it'll be a very close game. Uh, and, I, and I think Pritchard's going to be a really good player. I, I, I'm excited to watch his career develop with the Cougars here. And I think he can do a decent job filling in for Davidson. But they're going to need Davidson to win this one, I think, because they're going to need to throw the football. They're going to load the box and force them to throw the football. And they've got guys, well, where Blackhawks have got talented receivers, but Central Valley's got talented skill guys as well. And it's not just pain. A Abraham Ibrahim is one of the best receivers in the Whippeal. He's got 425 yards receiving this year. So him against Lorenzo Jenkins, it's going to be a fun matchup. I just think that Central Valley or Chartier's Valley. Valley. Chartier's Valley, I should say. You look at their schedule. They have wins over three not-so-great teams in West Smith, yeah. Keystone Oaks, and Hopewell. Those three teams have three wins combined. However, you look at the teams they lost to. They lost to Bell Vernon, yeah. killing everyone, and they lost to South Fayette by two touchdowns. So yep. they, they've played some really good opponents. Not to say Blackhawk has it, but I'd say strength of schedule probably goes more toward Chartier's Valley, and I think they're healthier. That's why I take the Colts here. We move forward to Quaker Valley, Central Valley. Don't really need to get into that one. Everyone's taking the Warriors. Uh, Cornell Union, this is an interesting matchup. A couple weeks ago, Union took down Rochester, who was number one in the Whippy on everyone's Class A poll. Uh, but then last week, Union went and lost to Northgate. So... The Big Seven is absolute chaos right now, but one thing that has been stable is Cornell. They've won four in a row, uh, or no, three in a row, excuse me, and uh, they're looking good, and we all took the Raiders here and what I think will be a decent game. Um, the Shannon at Elwood City, all of us are taking the Lancers, and Shannon continues to rebuild. Ambridge and Hopewell, let's talk about this one for a second, guys. This is uh, the battle for a win. There, there's four winless teams still in the Beaver Valley. It's Hopewell, it's Ambridge, it's Riverside, and Elwood City. Two of those teams play each other this week. In a couple weeks, Riverside and Elwood City play each other. So, you know, I've, I've been on teams where you look down the schedule halfway through and you're like, who are we going to play to get this first win? 
And yeah. so like this, this game means a lot to both programs. Make no mistake. Uh, but all of us went with Anbridge. Parth, why do you like the Bridgers here? No, yeah, no, like you said, I think it's the I'd call it the battle of the bottom feeders. And I think Ambridge has shown more resistance. They've they've both not won a single game. Um, the Bridgers have just shown me more, I think. And you know, even against Blackhawk last week, I understand Carson Davidson didn't play, but um they didn't they didn't get run out of the building. So yeah, I'm going with the Bridgers. Okay. Long, pretty short. Fair enough. Anything to add on that, Josh? No, I, I just I like Ambridge's veteran talent more than hope was at this point i think in a couple years this is going to be hopefully a marquee matchup again uh with the young talent that's coming up but i think ambridge just has a little bit too much in terms of senior leadership at this point that uh, will give them the edge over a young hopewell team yeah vikings are a young squad yeah absolutely we move forward now to riverside at mohawk all of us are going with mohawk uh, although i would not be shocked to see riverside give uh, mohawk a game here um Next game on the list is South Bay at Moon. This is one of the best matchups of the Whippeal this week. We we uh, won't be there, though. We're going we're gonna to spread out the love because Moon's got even even bigger matchup next week that we will be covering. Um, but we all like the Tigers here. However, you know, this is this is no easy test. I think Moon's toughest game to this point was Seneca Valley. And then I think this is a very close second uh, against South Fayette. This is a team that's never easy to beat home or away. It doesn't matter. Moon got off to a slow start last week against Fox Chapel where they yeah. fell behind because of turnovers. They cannot do that again this week against the Lions. Uh, but we all like the Tigers over the Lions. We all go 6-0 with Moon. Beaver Falls, New Brighton, next game on the schedule. We all like uh, Beaver Falls to keep rolling. I thought this would be a lot better of a matchup in the preseason. Um, New Brighton hasn't come. I mean, neither of these teams have really started the year as I expected them to, as we expected them to. But I think Beaver Falls is uh, trending in the right way a little bit more than New Brighton and everyone else echoes that apparently because we got it 6-0. Western Beaver, Seton LaSalle. These were Beaver area's last two opponents here. Uh, one looked real, both of them. Well, one looked really good against Beaver and beat them. One looked really bad against Beaver and lost. We all like the Golden Beavers six to nothing in this one as well. We got three games left. Two of them are ones that we're really going to dive into now, starting with this one. It's Stowe Rocks at Southside. Stowe Rocks is a team that just edged out Avonworth. The following week, Avonworth just edged out Southside Beaver. However, that was a game where Southside could have won. We all picked Stowe Rocks, but Parth, you were there. Do you think Southside was good enough to beat Avonworth by multiple scores had they played a clean game? I do, but I don't know if I can bet on them playing a clean game. And that's no disrespect to the Rams or, or Luke mm. Travel piece, but um, we talked about this earlier in the podcast. That team has a chip on its shoulder, the team has an edge, the team has grit, and sometimes to its detriment, right? Like we saw those flags pile up. Um, Stowe Rocks is a good team. I understand the transitive property doesn't apply in sports here, but you know, they beat Avonworth. Mm -hmm. Um, Southside did not. Uh, I've got Stowe Rocks taking this one. And so, so does everyone else. We have Stowe Rocks 6 0 across the board. Josh, what do you think Southside needs to do to make this competitive? Honestly, what they did last week, but <laughs> don't fumble the football at the one yard line. I mean, that sounds simple and easy to do on paper, but you've got to play that physical chippy game again. You've got to try and get Stowe Rocks out of their element a little bit, um, but uh, you got to get Parker Statler going. I know that he he struggled um, to get going against Avonworth, and I think in that wing tee, the margin uh, for error is so small. Uh, you got to get some big plays early against Stowe Rocks, kind of have those defenders guessing. See, I, I disagree. I think big plays are Southside's enemy here. I think they need to hold on to the football as much that's as fair. possible. No, that's totally they, fair. 
they match up a lot better against Avonworth than Stowe Rocks. I don't know if Southside has the athletes to compete against the Vikings. So keep their offense like off that. the field. So keep their offense off the field yeah. as much as possible. And that means no penalties to kill drive. That means no turning the ball over. And if they can like do that, that, if they can control time of possession and get a couple three and outs, because they have the defense that can get pressure on you know, on anyone in the Stowe Rocks backfield, but they can't they can't move the ball downfield quickly, I guess. Like a big play would almost be kind of scary no, I, for them I like because that. they, they need to hold point. on to the football as long as possible. And you know what? To kind of add to that, Parker Statler, I think he kind of carried them in that first half against Avonworth from what I saw. You got to get guys like Cam Knox and other, other skill players involved. Mm-hmm. Cam Knox is a bully. Yeah. You know, when, he, when he got it going in that third quarter, he was running dudes over. Like multiple yeah. dudes running them over, plowing them through the end zone. Um, and I think they got to spread the wealth there if they want a chance That's- to win. And that's typically the key in the wing tee are those fullback dives, those quick trap games. And if they can get that going, they'll have success. So now we move on to Laurel at Freedom. Uh, not much to talk about here on Saturday night. Uh, we all like Laurel, led by Luke McCoy. He's one of the better running backs in the Whitfield, too. We'll, we'll get a chance to watch him play. We've had uh, our stringers cover some of the games that he's been involved with, and I think the Bulldogs have problems with him. Everyone's going with Laurel six to nothing here. And last but certainly not least, our game of the week this week. Josh will be there. It's on Saturday night or Saturday afternoon, I should say, at 2 p.m. at Moon Tiger Stadium. It's between Olsh and Rochester. At the beginning of the season, everyone circled this one. They said this is the best single A matchup in the Whippeal. It's a little different now because we don't know. Is Parker Lyons playing? Will J.D. Ajale be playing? Will Sal Lord be playing? Who's healthy for Rochester? They had a week to recover. Doesn't really matter in the eyes of our staff, though. We're all rolling with Olsh, six to nothing. Josh, what does Rochester have to do to prove us all wrong? That that's the million dollar question right there. They they obviously they got the forfeit win last week uh, over Burgettstown. They struggled on the road at Union. That loss looks even worse, as you mentioned, because uh, Union lost last week to Northgate. I, I think you just have to get healthy and, and trust your playmakers to make plays. I know that uh, I watched some of the film from the Union game and. Um, all, all credit to Sal Lohr, but, uh, he's not a quarterback and that really handcuffed the offense. Uh, I think they just have to get healthy and play Rochester football, but it's going to be really hard against a really good Olsh team with an explosive offense led by Nehemiah Zim. And part on the flip side, what's, uh, Olsh got to do to prove us all right. I think I just want to, you know, first of all, every point that Josh made is one I already had as well. Um, I think it's just a matter of one team being in a rhythm with having a game last week and one team not. These these are both teams that have been impacted by the COVID shutdown, which is something that, you know, I, I looked at in a, in a deeper dive that's coming out Thursday with, you know, speaking to head coaches and ADs in the Whitfield in Beaver County. Um, yeah, we have so many questions right now with the Rams, right? Like, they didn't play last week against Burgestown. The last time they played, they lost 16 nothing to Union. And, you know, Union's not looked well, you know, these past two weeks, or rather, sorry, the past three weeks aside from that win. Um it's it's hard to pick the Rams when you don't know who's starting behind center. I got I got Olsher. And I gotta say one thing. I I'm really really excited to see Ziggy McIntosh. I want to see what everyone's been talking about. I know Nehemiah Azim is drawing a lot of the attention. He's putting up big <laughs> numbers through the air, but McIntosh has put up numbers with Azim, and and I think he's kind of overlooked at this point. But uh, yeah, just want to see what Dan Bradley and those Chargers have, and I, I'm I'm excited to see that game. It's it's going to be a marquee matchup. 
Well, that'll do it for us this week. Be sure to follow us on social media. As always, hit that subscribe all button if you haven't already and head to timesonline.com to vote in our player of the week, athlete of the week, and comeback or first half player of the year, I should say, polls that are up there now. Check out all of our content and be ready for another great Friday night of action. We will be there to cover it. We just need you to read, watch, and listen. We'll see you next week.